This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Amen. Again, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to start this morning with a story, a story from when I was back in high school, a story that was honestly a little bit painful, but I've made it through. Have you ever had a painful story that you made it through? It was a summer night. It was Craig, Gary, and myself. We were at Gary's house. It was a nice summer evening, and Gary's mom had just left, so it was just the three of us. We had a very good idea, as all teenage boys have when their parents leave the house. And at this time, Mom, if you would close your ears, that would be great. (laughs) No, but we got together, and as Gary's mom had left the house, the three of us decided that we were going to have fun, and so we put on, I don't know, this, I don't know if this needs to be recorded or not, but we put on our dark clothes, black sweatpants, a black t-shirt or a black long sleeve shirt. Has anybody else done this? Please. Thank you, Jack. Thank you. The leader of our Awana program. Yes. But I'm the leader of your church. So there we go. So I put on, we put on these black clothes and we get ourselves ready. And honestly, I have no idea what we were doing on that particular evening uh, but we were going to go out. I don't know if we were TPing. I, don't, I really don't have a clue what we were doing, but we were going to leave and we were going to go out. And so we, we go out of the, the house into the garage and in the garage we put our shoes on and we're ready to go. And as we are getting ready to leave, the garage door begins to open. We all look at each other. Ah! So as we look at each other, And we begin to run out the back door because there was the garage and there was a back door that would go into their backyard. And we all ran to the back door at the same exact time and all three of us got stuck in the door. This is not a joke. This is true story. So we all get stuck in the door because all three of us try. I make it out of the door first and I sprint the back of the house, because on the other side of the house, there's a back patio, I throw open the door, and I run full steam ahead to go inside of the house, and smack, there's a glass, sliding glass door. To this day, I have no idea how I didn't shatter and go through that door. But we make it inside of the house, we act as if nothing had ever happened, his mom walks into the house, and there we are, watching TV, doing whatever it was that we were doing. And yes, this is a completely true story. And yes, it's silly and funny, but here's the premise and here's where we are with Nehemiah chapter 13. When the cat's away, the mice will play. Mom and dad had left, so we had a great idea to go do something, and I wish I'd remembered what that something was, because I don't know if it would add to the story. But we had a great idea to go and do something. When leadership steps out, when mom and dad leave the kids alone at home, or maybe when the boss goes out for a vacation or for a long lunch, I hope this doesn't happen at Oasis Baptist Church, but as we close out Nehemiah, basically this is exactly what had taken place, Nehemiah had left. Nehemiah had went to go back to where he was, to his job that he was doing beforehand, and when Nehemiah left things kind of fell to the wayside. 
General William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, once said it this. He said, I want you young men always to bear in mind that it is the nature of a fire to go out. You must keep it stirred and fed and the ashes removed. It is our nature to have our emotions and our initial excitement to go away. This is both spiritually as well as just everyday things. This is within your relationships. This is in everything that we do. If we don't constantly stir that fire and remove the the, the ashes, the fire will go out. Listen, husband and wife, if you don't constantly work on your relationship, you will not have a relationship. It's got to be constantly stirred. I don't care the puppy love. We all laugh about puppy love. I I did a wedding yesterday. There's going to be that, that little, you know, that window of just where, oh, everything is still cute and everything. And then you're going to get to the point you're like, yeah, it's no longer cute. Right? Women are like, yes, put your underwear away where it goes. But we have all of those things. But if it's not constantly stirred up and you're not constantly working on it, those relationships fall away. It's the same with every area of our lives in exodus chapter 32 moses had been gone moses went up to the mountain to 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 meet with god and he was coming back with the ten commandments you know the story but and when the people in verse number one saw that moses delayed to come down out of the mount the people gathered themselves together unto aaron and said unto him up make us gods which shall go before us for as For this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. We have no idea where he's at. We don't know when he's coming back, but we need somewhere, something to worship. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the gold earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. A few verses later, Moses, God reached down to Moses. God spoke to Moses. Hey, Moses, you got to go back down. In verse number 19, it says, And it came to pass, as soon as he came nigh unto the camp, that he, he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tablets or the tables out of his hands and brake them beneath the mount. What happened? The same thing. Moses left. There was a group of people. Aaron was supposed to lead. Aaron didn't. And Aaron gave in. We come down to several other things. You can, you can go over and over throughout Scripture. But what happens? Paul starts churches all throughout the New Testament. And what was Paul constantly doing? If you look at half of the New, New Testament, most of the New Testament, who wrote it? Paul. What was he doing? He was writing back to those churches. Some of that was he was encouraging them. Hey, I'm praying for you. Thank you. All of those things. Some of it was... He was telling them, listen, you can't be doing these things. Be cautious, be alert, be aware. And he was constantly trying to, what, stir that fire to keep them going. Because as the leader left, things would happen. Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 32 says this. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. When I leave, listen, when I go... There's going to be wolves that are going to come, and they are not going to spare any of you. It doesn't matter. They are going to come. They're going to destroy. Also, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. 
Not only are going to, there's, when the leadership leaves and when these things are happening, I'm going to leave, there's going to be people that are going to come in. But when I leave, there's going to be people right within our body, right within this church, that are going to stir up and there's going to be things that are said perversely that are going to take away the doctrines, take away those, those truths of God's word. And it says this as it continues to go on. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Again, when that leadership steps away, when that cat's away, the mice will play type of a mentality It happens in the churches. It happens everywhere. And this is what's taking place in Nehemiah. He had given 12 years of building the wall. Then he went back to the king of Persia. And in chapter 13, in verse number 6, Nehemiah comes back and things are not the way that they once were. My goal as we close out this book study in Nehemiah is to encourage, to challenge our church One, as we go into the fall season, this is the time, listen, this is the time of the year where people are looking to get involved in things, that are, the schedules are back to normal, people are out of vacations, things are taking place, so on and so forth. The church is a little bit more full today than it was four weeks ago. Because that routine comes back in. People are looking for those. So as we come into the fall, obviously we want to we build on some of that natural momentum, but here's the reality of it. We as a church, my goal in today is that we would grow. Our goal is that we would reach more people, that we would see people come to know Christ. And in order to do that, as we've seen in Nehemiah, when Nehemiah built the wall, when Nehemiah brought people back in, when Nehemiah set all these things up, it wasn't just Nehemiah that did it. It was the people Listen, in order for Oasis to do what God has called Oasis to do, it takes all of us. Every single person in this room that is called to be a part of Oasis, it takes all of us. That's why God says that we have gifts, that He has given us gifts. Why? Because it takes all of our gifts to make those things happen, the church happen. And so as we go, as we close out today, my challenge is going to be, I'm going to look at all of the areas that, uh, that the children of Israel in Jerusalem failed in. But I'm going to look at it from a little bit of a different uh, uh, point of view, if you will. And so I pray this morning as we, as we get into this that it would be something that would be an encouragement to us that we would stop and think of our own involvement but truly that we would look at it. The series have been entitled Building Beyond Ourselves and I'm simply named the title of this sermon is just that, Building Beyond Ourselves. I'm going to jump around for a few moments at the beginning and then we'll get into the passage of Scripture in Nehemiah 13. So if you have your Bible, I will start in Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to go from 8 to 9 to 10, and there's only going to be about five verses, but it'll be pretty, pretty fluid as far as that goes. So in eight chapter, Nehemiah chapter 8, in verse number 1, it says this, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. So I want you to remember, they were asking God, or asking Ezra, to teach them the book of the law of Moses. In verse number 6, it says, And Ezra blessed the Lord, 
the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Again, this is going back to verse number 1. After the teaching had taken place, they fell to worship God. In verse number 8, So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. Again, going back to the, the Word of God. Chapter number 9. In verse number 3, And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one fourth part of the day and another fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. In chapter number 10 in verse 29. That's a great sound right there. In verse 29 it says, They clave to their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord, and His judgments and His statutes. Father God, I come to You this morning, and I pray, I pray that You would use Your Word to pierce hearts. God, that we would be a better people because of it. In Jesus' name, Amen. There is something in each one of those passages of Scripture, and I'm going, to, I'm going to bring that together here this morning, but it always, everything goes back to the Word of God. And this morning, the very first thought is this, it's foundational promise. It's a foundational promise. If we were to go uh, looking at that again, it says in verse number 29 of chapter 10, what I just read, that they entered into a cure or a curse into an oath to walk in God's law. They set themselves up to follow the law of God. Going back to chapter number 8, there at the very beginning, the one thing that they did was what? Teach us the Word of God. Give us the Word of God. And then from there, they set themselves up a covenant that they would uphold the Word of God. We come now to chapter number 13. We come to chapter 13 and we see that that wasn't happening See, I don't know about you, but I can, I can only look at my own life. And as I have found in my own life, one of the easiest things to do for me is I can set up a list of to-dos and things that I check off my list. Oftentimes, reading the God's Word becomes one of those things. We easily do things because people see them, Right? I set actions up, I serve, I do this, I do that. Why? Because man sees on the outward, but I never change what's actually taking place on the inside. Where does God see? On the heart. So many times in our Christian circles, in our Christian lives, we, we attempt to read the Scriptures, we attempt to do those things, and we apply different principles so that we do the right things. And so I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make sure that I'm doing these things. And all along the way, I never do what God has called me to do, which is seeking Him internally. And so yes, I have the right external things happening, but I've never truly taken that and made it a part of my heart, which is where God wants us. Let me challenge you that you don't seek what God would want you to do, but who God would want you to become. You might say, well, God's going to have me do certain things. Listen, as you seek to become who God wants you to be, you will follow through with the things that God wants you to do. Does that make sense? And so as we look at these things, and as we get to this point here, this first thought, 
It is foundational concerning and maintaining a longevity in our Christian walks. When my relationship with God is set in stone, and this is my foundation, and this is where everything flows from, not that I have set up standards that I will do all of these things, it's out of the relationship, now things happen because it's a changed heart, not because I changed my to-do list. Longevity in your Christian life, you want longevity in your Christian life? Allow God to change your heart, not your to-do list. Because when He changes your heart, your to-do list will naturally change with it. And so as we look at these things and we look at Scripture and what's happening here, in verse number thir- or chapter 13, right off the bat, on that day they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Okay. Light bulb went off. Have you ever been reading? Have you ever done anything and all of a sudden the light bulb goes off? This is kind of where they are. The Word of God was written. The Word of God was being read. And of course, in the midst of this, who was living in the temple? There was an Ammonite living in the temple. Tobiah was living in the temple. If you remember Tobiah from from times past, Tobiah was the one that was saying, Hey, Nehemiah, why don't you come over here? Let me get you to leave. And so when I get you to leave, I can bring my people in and we can destroy this wall. Tobiah was living in the temple. He wasn't on the outside calling Nehemiah to come in. He was living in the temple. And we'll look at that in a moment. Deuteronomy 23 says this, An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. This is exactly what they were reading in Nehemiah. This passage of the Scripture. In verses 7 and 8, Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. Thou shalt not abhor an Egyptian, because thou wast a stranger in the land. The children that are begotten of them shall enter into the congregation of the Lord in their third generation. So we look at that and you might go, what does that mean? Because if we were to go back down, it says in verse number two, because they met not their children of Israel with bread and with water and hired Balaam against them that he should curse them. And then we go down in first or in Verse number three, we see it some more. Now it came to pass when they heard that the heard the law that they separated from Israel. What does it say there? I don't know if you have this in your in your Bible. Or I, I don't have it on the screen, but it says in verse number three, they separated from Israel all mixed multitude. So they heard that, hey, the Ammonites were not supposed to be there. They were reading the scriptures. And so they said, oh, man. This is wrong. We've got this word. We're not, we haven't abided by the principles of God's word. The foundation has been cracked. We've allowed this to come in. And they said, you know what? Um, um, we're going to get rid of everybody who's a foreigner. Did God's word say that? No. God's word says an Ammonite and a Moabite will not enter ever. But he went on to say, but the Egyptian could and the Edomites could. After a period of time. And so we look at this. The word of God is vital. It is a foundational thing. Listen, when we mess up, 
with this, everything below it will falter. When our foundation is faltered, everything else falters. We see here, you might go, well, that's not that big of a deal. They were allowing people in. Of course, we want people in to hear the word of God. We want people in to teach them. We want people in to to do these things. No, God's word said, do not do this. And those are the things that they did. And I don't know if they chose to do so purposely or if it was just like one of those things where it's just after time you just kind of You become relaxed and you allow things to happen. Deuteronomy 8 says to teach you that no man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. It's how we are to live. It is why it's imperative that the word of God is the principal foundational piece here at Oasis Baptist Church. It's why it's foundation, it's why it's, it's imperative when you drop your children off in, ch- in Sunday school or in, in children's church. I want them to have fun. But my goal is not that they would have fun as much as they would gain the truths of God's word from the time they are children, that they're little. Fun happens because that is a part of it when you're little. It gives them something to do. But if it's fun and they're not learning the truths of God's word, then, man, we are failing. It's why we do life groups on on. Tuesday night or Wednesday night or Thursday night. It's why we study the Word of God everywhere that we do. It's why that we have a, a Sunday, Sunday morning Bible study. It's why we have a Sunday night Bible study. It's why we have a WANA program where children are memorizing and, and stamping upon their heart the Word of God. Why? Because if we set that foundation straight and we can build upon that, then we're okay. My fear And I've said this many times, one of my greatest fears is teaching the Word of God. Because I don't ever want to teach Scripture that is not theologically, doctrinally correct. I don't want to say something that is not the way that it's supposed to be said. I don't want to lead you to a place where you're like, well, that's what pastor said and that's what it's supposed to be. No, I don't want to do that. So when I study, when I think of things, when we do different things, I, I try very, very hard to teach, especially when it's going into a more of a topical study, that it's done in a context of what that verse means. Because there are so many times where I could just grab something and go, oh, that says something like this. And then I preach a whole sermon on it, and it has nothing to do with actually what God's Word says. It's contextually right. It's doctrinally right. Those are things, fear might not be the right word, but I want to make sure that everybody that stands here, everybody that teaches in those classrooms are going to do those things right. Why? Because that is our foundation. And if that is not right, everything else falters. And we see here, the children of Israel allowed things to come in And it began to break everything that was taking place in the temple there in Jerusalem. So foundational promises that were broke. The next thought, if we were to go back through chapter number 10 and look at all of the covenants that were were taking place, one, they broke the initial one. The covenant was with the Word of God. They broke it. The next one, it said that they were to live set apart, that they were to live separate. So living set apart. As was just mentioned, they hadn't followed the Word of God, and therefore they weren't living set apart. We do this so often. 
we get into our own world and we begin to do our own thing and we, vent, we quickly find ourselves excusing our behavior so that we can do certain things. Listen, I can pretty much make an excuse as to why I do anything. And I can probably, though it would be poor, probably make some form of justification out of Scripture. It happens every day, all day. Remember I just said, taking the passage of Scripture in context? There's entire religions built upon the premise of your Bible because they've taken six passages of Scripture completely out of context, and now there's millions of people following false religious beliefs. And they'll come to your door, and what will they tell you? They'll take you to your Bible. Hey, let me show you in your Bible. Well, let me show you in your Bible. Because my Bible says, thou shalt not add to the Word of God, and there's a whole thing there. But when we take things out of context, it destroys. And we see this, our lives so often, we, we are called to live set apart. We are called to live, and that's not that we build a compound, no, but our lives are to be set apart. Your life is to be different. If you follow Christ, it says that we would be sanctified. That means that we would be set apart. I'm not to live the same way that the world is to live. I'm not to do some of those same things. And as we look at this, I don't know exactly every single piece of this that was taking place and why they chose to do this. But I do know this. That in verse number 4, the high priest, and before this, Eliashib, the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. So the, the priest took everything out of the chamber. He, he literally, just if this is a room, he cleared everything out of the chamber. That would have been all of the, the giving. So all of your givings that you brought to the church and all of the, the grain and the things, they, they wiped it all out and they allowed Tobiah to live there. Well, God's Word said that they were to be set apart. This was a man that was an enemy of God. But yet now he had influence on the people of God. I said it just a moment ago, Tobiah was the one that was screaming from the outside of the wall, hey, Nehemiah, come over here. Nehemiah, let me help you. Now he's no longer screaming from the outside. He's living there. He has great influence on the people that would be there. They mixed the things. The mixed thing didn't work and it still doesn't work. It's never healthy to mix the godly with the ungodly. It's the idea, some of us would say it, that sin would take you farther than you want to go and keep you longer than you're willing to stay. As we allow our lives to be more and more blended and blurred with what is truth and what we think is truth and what we would just, I can do this and I excuse it, we draw closer and closer and closer to that sin, to mixing what is ungodly with what is godly, and it destroys It destroys. Listen, my human nature is that I will desire to get as close to what you tell me not to get as close to. Speed limit says 65, I'm going 66. Or 80. Right? You tell your child, don't touch that, what's happening? They're touching it. It is within our human nature. I never taught my child to do that. As a matter of fact, I said, please don't. It will hurt you. 
our sin, the human nature of us, we want to do, we, we just do that. When you go to the store, and there's a whatever up there, and it says, do not touch, hanging. First, there's a, I don't know, what's the store? The, there's a big giraffe down by the, whatever that Bass Pro Shops is. It's a big thing hanging from the giraffe's neck, do not touch. Are you kidding me? If you didn't put do not touch on there, nobody would touch it. But because you did, everybody will touch it. And we look at this, God says that we are to be set apart. Our human nature is that we would do those things. We would push those envelopes. Our desire as a church. Look around the world and the church culture today. What is the desire of churches? We are to do what? We are to reach people. We are to reach people. I would dare say there's a lot of churches that are reaching people by using principles that are completely against Scripture. Why? In the name of reaching people. Well, I've got I've to tell them about Jesus. Listen, I'll just share this, and some people may like it, some people may not. The Word of God is stronger than anything that I can say and will draw people more than anything in any way in which I could draw people. Period. I know of people that are teachers of the Word of God that are some of the most boring people ever. Have you ever watched, or this is, I, I probably shouldn't say this because this is live. Tim LaHaye, an incredible author, was an incredible pastor before he was an author. I'll, I'll just say that he is, not the most, he is not the most exciting guy to listen to speak. He came to, when we were in, in school, he came and spoke at one of our chapel services. Man, knowledge beyond knowledge beyond knowledge beyond knowledge. But I was just like, do you know he ran a mega church because he was a scholar teaching the Bible? Not because he did crazy things. Not because his personality was extraordinary. Because God's word is enough to build his church. God says this, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I want to have a larger church. I desire to see more people being baptized. I desire to see people coming and being discipled in God's word. But I will not do things that are contrary to God's word to have more people. We are called to be set apart. Vance Havner said this, Today the world has so infiltrated the church that we are more beset by traitors within than by foes without. Satan is not fighting churches. He is joining them. Eliashib came from a, a priestly line. But he himself, listen, the priest himself married outside of, wasn't a following the law. Eliashib was there. Why? Because in the, line the lineage would allow him to be the priest. Listen, I'll just I'll share this. I love my son, but I promise you this: my son, because he is my son, does not make him, uh, op doesn't give him the opportunity to be the pastor of Oasis Baptist Church. If in time that would happen, that would be really cool. But if my son is not qualified spiritually to lead the church, then he does not need the church because he's my son. God's word 
is the foundation. When God's word, the foundation is thrown away and it is broken and it is cracked and all of those things, we allow people to stand and lead who have no reason to stand and lead. Eliashib was one of those. He was standing and leading. Why? Because his dad did. He was in the right lineage, so he could do this. But yet he was married outside of where he wasn't supposed to be married according to God's word that he would teach. Nehemiah comes back in verses 6 and 7 of chapter 13. And basically he's not happy. Do you remember Moses come down off the mountain? I read it. What did he do? It said he was angry and he threw the tablets and broke them. Nehemiah comes in. Nehemiah says, But in all this time was not I at Jerusalem? For in the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king, and I came to Jerusalem and understood of the evil of Eliashib, did for Tobiah, and preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me sore, therefore I cast forth all of the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Nehemiah didn't throw down the tablets and break them. Nehemiah walked into that house and he took every stinking thing and he's out of here, out of here. Why? Because they didn't live set apart. They quit abiding by the foundation and when we fail to live according to the foundation, all of the things around it will begin to crumble. For them, it was living set apart. Listen, how do you live set apart if you don't know this? How am I to be set apart differently than anybody else in the world if the one thing that is supposed to set me apart is my relationship with God and knowing the Word of God, I have no idea what it says. It has to be my foundation. It was early on in the series I made the statements of faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Pastor, I don't understand why I just I don't have faith. Well, do you know the Word of God? Well, I come to church on Sunday. Awesome. I'm glad you're here. But you don't know God's Word. The more that I get into this, the more faith that I have, the more that I will naturally desire to be set apart and do and not do certain things in my life. Not because I am a legalist, not because I'm better than you, not because of any of those things. No, but as I love Him and His Word, I'm drawn to the things that His Word would call me to do and I would become more like Him, which is what this is about. That we would be drawn to Him to be more like Him. Listen, I don't want you to be more like me. You don't want to be more like me. <laughs> I, want to, I want to encourage you that when you leave here, you go home and you get into God's Word. And that your walk with God is strengthened and that I am here to cheer you on. I am here to say, hey, let's go. I'm here to do all of those things. I can be a coach and just say, hey, keep on it. I want to do that. But if this Word of God the foundation of everything that we do gets tossed out of the window. You won't live set apart. You won't do the things that you would ultimately say you would desire to do. I would say just about every person in here would raise their hand and say, yes, pastor, my goal would be that I would adhere to the word of God. 
Would anybody just say, you know what, Pastor? Who cares what the Bible says? I'm glad that I'm here because it looks really good for everybody around me. Nobody would say that. If you would, you have, you're gutsy. But there's hardly anybody that would walk into a church and be like, you know what, this is the dumbest thing. I hate being here. No, most people, there's, there's something there that's drawing them. But as we look at these, we have to strive to know Him. As we know Him, as we seek Him, as we do those things, the foundational promises don't get left aside. And when the foundational promises don't get left aside, we don't get to the place where we're allowing the things in our lives that God's Word specifically says not to allow in our lives. For them, it was to not intermarriage or to not have intermarriage. It was to not allow certain people in. It was to do certain things that they would be set apart. For us, it's what, our, what we watch on TV. It's the way that we talk at the workplace. It's the way that we do certain things. And then we allow ourselves to make excuses as to why we do it. I don't know how many times people have came into my office or I've had conversations with somebody and this is the greatest Christian answer for everything that we want to do. Well, I've been praying about it and God shared with me. I just want to take my hand, gently place it upon their cheek, and let them know. God didn't tell you to do anything that is against His Word. And what you're telling me you're about to do is against the Word of God. Therefore, you didn't pray about it and... It ain't according to God's word because he didn't tell you to do it. But that's what we do. Oh, I was praying with God told me that this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, you are a moron. Because God doesn't speak to us and tell us to do things that are against his character. But when we don't know his character because we don't know the foundation, when we don't have that, we don't live set apart. And we do what we want to do. Lastly this morning, is supporting God's work. Supporting God's work. Nehemiah chapter 10, as we're staying in that passage of Scripture because that's where the covenant was set. Nehemiah chapter 10 and 39, it said, For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the corn, of the new wine, and the, new, uh, and the, uh, and the oil unto the chambers where Tobiah was. Where are the vessels of the sanctuary and the priests that minister and the porters and the singers? And it says this, and we will not forsake the house of our God. We are not going to forsake the temple. We are not going to forsake the church. We're not going to forsake all of these things. That's what we won't do. We are going to support the work of God. Well, when Nehemiah came back, what did he do? The chambers where all the stuff was from 1039, we just saw that we're going to support the work of the Lord. It was tossed out. It was completely wasted. They quit supporting the church. They quit supporting the work of the Lord. And Tobiah was living in there who was an enemy who wasn't supposed to be there because he was an Ammonite. And when we do that in our lives, we can look at it and we can go, well, pastor, this is really great and I'm glad you can get excited and passionate about some of these things, but... Uh, there's no Ammonite living in my house, so we're okay. No. It's the same exact thing. We, you and I as believers, as children of God, are to live and to be set apart. And when the foundation is broken, when we no longer live in that manner, we no longer support the things of God. Why do we get really angry at this point of the sermon? <laughs> 
speaking of supporting the church. Why do we get so angry? Right? Because the foundational principles of God's word and the set-apart portion of God's word are not the way that they're supposed to be in our lives. And therefore, when we come over here and God's word says that we are to support, we go, well, you don't need to talk to me about my personal stuff. No, it's not your personal stuff. That's called God's stuff. And I know it gets touchy and I know all of those things but when we look at this God's word is very clear and when we fail to adhere to the word of God we fail in every other avenue of our life period well I'm very successful I make 600 million dollars awesome that doesn't mean you're successful because you're dying and going to hell God's blessed me has he Those are hard conversations, and I get that. And I get that nobody really loves to hear those things. But when we look and we study, and as I read this passage of Scripture, I can't help but think of all of these things because it goes back to the foundations. Does anybody, would anybody raise their hand and say, you know what, Pastor? I don't want to be blessed by God. I don't want the blessings of God on my life. No, everybody wants the blessings of God on their life. And you know why you don't like this part of the conversation? Because I'm not telling you to give me $5 and you'll get $500 million. Because that's not how it works and that's not what God's word says. The largest churches, some of the largest churches in our country are what? Man, you just love Jesus and you give me an extra 10 bucks and you'll have a lot. You'll be blessed. No, that's not what God's word says. That's not at all what God's word says. Nowhere. As a matter of fact, one of the most blessed people was the one who gave the last mite that she had. It wasn't about what she, or how much, it was the heart behind it. And when our heart is wrong, we don't live set apart because we've got the foundation wrong, we don't live set apart, and we ain't supporting the work of God. Why would I support something that I don't love? Where your heart is, your treasure will be also. supporting what Nehemiah comes back and he's like, this is a mess. All of these things that you guys had all, you you gave the covenant that we're going to support the work of God. We're going to do the things that God has called us. We're going to adhere to the the covenant. We're going to do all of those things. And now we've thrown it all out and let somebody that's not supposed to be in there be in there. And we just quit giving all together. And so as we get into this passage of scripture, In verse number 10, And I perceived that the portion of the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites and the singers that did the work were now fled everyone to his field. Those that were supposed to be there studying God's word, doing the things to lead the people in worship, were no longer able to do that. Now they were going back to work because why? The people no longer supported the work of God. This morning, I'm not ending today asking you to give me money. That's really not. I'm going to end today with what Scripture says. And Scripture says this in verse 25. And I contended with them and cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their hair and made them swear by God, saying, Ye shall not give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons or for yourselves. 
So, we're going to give an offering in a minute. And then if it's not that one, we'll give another one. And if the name isn't on one of those sheets, when you walk out, I will smite you, I will rip out your hair, and then I will stand over you and say, are you ready to commit to doing this? Some of you laugh, some of you are like, this guy's really off his rocker. But no, this is, what, this, is what Nehemiah, this is what was happening, and here's why. Here's why. And no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm really not. Some of you are a lot bigger than me, and it's not happening. And you've probably been in a fight, and I never have, so I would really, it would just not be good. But as we close, and as we look at this passage of Scripture, here's why Nehemiah was so burdened. Here's why he was passionate about all of these things. Why did the children of Israel have to leave in the first place? Why did they have to leave in the first place? As you go through chapter 20 or 13, going through 26 and so on and so forth, it begins to lay some of that out. Nehemiah was passionate. Why? Because it was all of the things that he had set in place, all of the things that they, con- they convened together to say, we will do this. We will uphold the word of God. We will be set apart. We will support the work of the Lord. And all of those things didn't happen, and they all got kicked out of Jerusalem, and they were all slaves to people outside. And Nehemiah brings it all back together and they all worship God and they all give themselves to the Lord and then when he steps away, they went right back to the exact same thing that got them all kicked out. I don't know about you, but man, that would burden my heart if I came back and I saw all of the work that I did was being completely in shambles because why? Here's why. They left the word of God. They left the word of God. Listen, I don't know what brings you great passion. I don't know what that is. But this morning, based on time, I'm not going to do the last one. Basically, the last one was that they left the, the Sabbath. They, they went back to selling on the sabbath they went back to doing all of the things again that god that they had said that they would not do that they had made a covenant that they would not do and they did all of those things this morning i believe with everything in me that god has brought oasis to this day for a specific reason to do something in this community and around the world i do everything in me This series was not a series that was based on giving. This series was not a series based on building a building. This series was not any of those things. But as you study through Scripture, all of those things come together, and what does it take? It takes every single one of us to continue to press forward with the cause of Christ. That's what it is. I'm not here to say tomorrow, next Sunday morning, come back because we're going to tell you about the building fund. That's not happening. I'm not here, so when you walk out of the doors, all of the walls are lined with people to serve. It's not happening. But I want to ask you something. I want to ask you, I want you to be honest and personable and look in the mirror yourself. And I want you to say this. And I don't know if this is the right or wrong way to ask this question, but let me ask you. If Oasis Baptist Church's spiritual level was where you are as an individual, how would our church be? When I look in the mirror and I would say, Aaron, how is your spiritual life? If every person at our church had your spiritual growth, 
What would that look like? I don't want you to I don't want you to compare yourself to the person beside you and all of those things, but just I was as I was reading this, that was something that came to my mind. Aaron, if everybody at a church had your personal growth, where would we be as a church? Your involvement, your investment, your from serving to whatever aspect of, of life that it would be. It's a, it's a scary or a humble thing. But all of these things come down to my personal relationship with God. It's you as an individual. That's what it is. Our church is only as good as you are. My home is only as good as I am. And not good that I, I stand before God as a good person. God's word says that our, our works are as filthy rags. But it's not doing those things. But it's my walk with God is I, I can only spiritually lead my family so long as I'm spiritually leading myself. And that's our whole ministry. That's, that's church. And I know that the end of this is maybe because we don't like those questions but I mean that. Listen, I want to reach the world for Christ. We're going to Haiti in a couple months. I want to go on trips, more and more of them. Not because I like to travel the world, but it's great to teach and to share the gospel with other people. I want to go out into our neighborhoods and love on our neighbors. Why? So that we can become a bigger church? No, because there's people out there that need to be here. They need the gospel. And the only way that happens is as we come together, we adhere to the foundations of God's word, we set ourselves apart, we commit to supporting what God has called us to, and we adhere and keep the Sabbath, if you will. That was the last one. That we would together say, yeah, you know what, this is worth fighting for. Not just Oasis Baptist Church, but your own spiritual life. Is it worth fighting for? Is it, worth, is it worth growing, but I'll have to lose five minutes of sleep? Is it worth it to know God? It's heart. It's our heart. God, I don't want to do things. I want you to change my heart. And as you change my heart, I will naturally do those things. Every Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.